Telling on ourselves is not affiliated with Alcoholics Anonymous. We're simply sharing our experience in recovery in order to help everybody through another day. All right, so um, so today we have First Thought Wrong is Bree. Take it away, Bree. So my First Thought Wrong is pretty hilarious because um, it just goes to show you that the crazy train is still alive and chugging in my brain um, all the time, regardless of where I am with my sobriety and what's going on with in life. Um, so anyways, Tuesday, Busy had a dental cleaning and I was so nervous or they had to put her under anesthesia and it was like the whole day I worried and I was calling the vet every 30 minutes to see how she was and, you know, and I'm sure they were sick of me. Um, the night before Monday night, I was talking to my sponsor and she had, you know, told me that she's going to meeting Tuesday night with another one of her sponsees. And she, she would really, really like it if I could be there. And I told her, well, I have to pick busy up, you know, all the way in, you know, Elgin after, after her dental cleaning, I don't know if the timing would work out for me to get, you know, Elgin, Itasca, Bloomingdale, you know, all before six thirty or whatnot. Um, she goes, okay, well, regardless, I'd really like you to be there. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. This is really important. I got, you know, but I really didn't want to go. And I was like a little like, Oh, I really don't want to go. I don't want to leave busy as she's coming out of anesthesia. So right. You know, I got home around six and I was thinking about texting her like, Hey, you know, I'm not going to come. I feel uncomfortable leaving busy. Um, I'm going to pass this week. I'm so sorry. But then I was I was like, no, I can't do that. I told her I would really try hard to be there. She, she really wanted me to be there. You know, I got to go. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go. So I was like proud of myself because I went right. And I showed up and I got there. It was like, I was like 632. So I was a little bit late and I noticed Donna, Donna's not here. And so I'm sitting there, 10 minutes go by. I text her, Hey, you coming? She texts me back. Oh shoot. No, I'm so sorry. You know, bailed and I decided to stay home and pack because she had a flight super early the next morning, you know? And so uh, my first thought wrong was like, I was so mad. I was like, I'm here. You told me to come. And you were like, I'd really like it if you would try to be there, even if you show up late. And then I got there and she wasn't there. I could have been home with busy. And those were my thoughts. So for like the first, I mean, I don't even think I was listening to anybody. Like it was the chapter, um, uh, to the wives to like the be, that's the part that they were reading for the meeting. And it's like already an awful chapter in my mind. Um, well, not my favorite, I shouldn't say that. Um, and, and so then finally I, I had this moment where I was like, I am exactly where I need to be right now. Like to doubt that is to doubt pretty much my whole path leading up to this point in my sobriety, because that's one of the things that I've always held on to is like, everything happens for a reason. Well, you know, most things to an extent, I really truly believe that if we stop and we like look around and take the time to just be like, okay, this is where I am. I am right where my two feet are. And there's a reason that I'm here. Um, so that was my second thought. Right. But my first thought wrong was like, I don't want to be at this meeting. I can't believe I came. You know, I didn't even want to come in the first place. You know, I was so sorry. I was a little sour patch kid. <clears throat> so, yeah. Good job. And, you know, that's that's integrity because you had made a promise to do something and you followed through. Even though it was difficult, it was not the easiest path. And then you surrendered and let go and said, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. 
which leads us to the topic today, which is integrity, integrity and truth. <laughs> it and does. I think Lynn might have some definitions in Definition Corner. I do. I've got the DC all covered. And thank you, Bree, for sharing that. That is hilarious. Um, so I had a little bit of a struggle looking for a definition for truth. And I actually went with true because that pertains to the principles um, that we're talking about today. So true simply is accurate or exact. Um, and if you think about it in the context we're going to talk about, it'll totally make sense. Integrity is quality of being honest or having strong moral principles. So that's what we got today. And today we are talking about having strong moral, moral principles, being honest and accurate. Um, one of the things that these principles are from step five in the program that we follow, and um, it's a moral inventory. And we see these words a lot of rigorous honesty. And, you know, when it, the first time I read that, I didn't really get it so much. Rigorous honesty. I'm like, yeah, yeah, be honest. Okay, well, I would like to say the definition that I always hear about integrity that gets me is the one that says um, integrity is doing the right thing when no one's looking. I was really excited, but then also terrified as shit that we were doing this topic because I feel like I have been less than integral uh, this last year. So this has definitely been, I as I reflect back, that could have been my whole you know, I guess, spiritual lesson this past year um, is not being honest and living with integrity and how shitty that feels, you know, now that I've, I lived that way for three years before I relapsed, you know, in the program was living honest and living with integrity and living my truth. And then the last year was almost like going right back to how I felt all the time when I was drinking and using, which is terrible, um, insecure, um, like really bad about myself. Like I hated myself. Um, so shame, shame. Yeah. And so when, you know, when doing this topic, I'm like excited because I feel like I can speak to this. I can speak to this whole piece of what it is to be actually honest with yourself and with others and how it really like can affect you mentally. Um, and even physically, like mm -hmm. I truly believe that holding the truth in and lying um, and not being completely 100% honest affects you on a physical level because there was, I mean, I was having headaches. I was moody. I was crabby. I wasn't sleeping well. I All of that I just, you know, there's, there's so much freedom in being honest. And I think that's why it's included in our program. You know, it's it's a release from... It's a release from all of the, um, I guess, sickness almost, like our our toxic way of thinking, you know, and it's mm -hmm. opposite to that. Well, and it's how I used to live, like just big, big, everything was a lie. There was very little truth in, in what I, how I functioned before I quit drinking or before I, before I got into the program rather. And, um. And, you know, being in integrity is something that I didn't even think about. Like, I was like, well, nobody else tells the truth. Why should I? Right. That was kind mm -hmm. of how I operated. And I want to share this, um, this poem because I've heard it twice recently. And it kind of speaks to how sometimes we think we're in integrity and we're not. So 
I'm going to read it. It's called The Cookie Thief by Valerie Fox. A woman was waiting at an airport one night with several long hours before her flight. She hunted for a book in the airport shops, bought a bag of cookies, and found a place to drop. She was engrossed in her book, but happened to see the man sitting beside her, as bold as could be, grabbed a cookie or two from the bag in between, which she tried to ignore to avoid a scene. So she munched the cookies and watched the clock as the gutsy cookie thief diminished her stock. She was getting more irritated as the minutes ticked by, thinking, if I wasn't so nice, I would blacken his eye. With each cookie, she thought he took one, two. When one, when only one was left, she wondered, what would he do? With a smile on his face and a nervous laugh, he took the last cookie and broke it in half. He offered her half as he ate the other. She snatched it from him and thought, oh, brother, this guy has some nerve and he's also rude. Why, he didn't even show any gratitude. She had never known... She had never known when she had been so gulged and sighed with relief when her flight was called. She gathered her belongings and headed to the gate, refusing to look back at the thieving ingrate. She boarded the plane and sank in her seat. Then she saw her book, which was almost complete. As she reached in her baggage, she gasped with surprise. There was her bag of cookies in front of her eyes. If mine are here, she moaned in despair, the others were his and he tried to share. Too late to apologize, she realized with grief that she was the rude run, the ingrate, the thief. How many times in our life have we absolutely known that someone was a certain way only to discover later that what we believed to be true was not? And that just hit me right between the eyes because I think it can... It can be insidious, this idea of integrity, truth, judgment, all this stuff that we think, like, I think back to all my resentments, right? And how many of them were rooted in a lie that I told myself and a story that I misperceived. And justified. I was really good at the justification and uh, rationalization. One of my favorite movies was The Big Chill, and it was... um, Oh, I can't think of his name right now. But he was talking about rationalizations and how much humans need those. He said, as a matter of fact, I think we need those more than we need sex. And it was like this big thing to think about. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's completely right. And I've always thought about that. Is that behavior that we're not proud of or that we know may be tiptoeing over the line, even if it's not a blatant over the line, we can rationalize it. And then, then we're able, so we think, we're able to release it but we don't, we hold on to it. That's what I did. And when I say we, I mean, I, um, I would just push it down and compartmentalize it and think that I had moved past it, but I hadn't. And I didn't realize that until I did my moral inventory. Same. Yeah. Yeah. So you speak for me too. When you say that, I know you said I can only speak for, you know, (laughs) myself, but that's me too. And I find myself doing this all the time. You know, um, my perception of things is very convenient for the lies that I want to keep telling myself and the stories that I want to keep, you know, alive and kicking. Um, but they don't, they don't truly benefit me. They really don't. And they don't obviously don't benefit anyone else because I never give anybody the benefit of the doubt. Like I'm always thinking, Oh, someone's trying to pull one over on me, you know, instead of, yeah, I like rash. And then I behave a certain way. And then I rationalize it. Well, I had to act that way because 
I knew they were up to no good and I had to protect myself. Exactly. Know? Exactly. Um, I was just, when you were talking, Brie, it reminded me of um, Brene Brown, who's you know, one of my superheroes. She released a book last year and I was listening to an interview and she was talking, it was actually talking about how to have productive talks within a corporation kind of setting when you have a, a bunch of different people with a bunch of different roles that need to communicate effectively basically. And at the time I was not getting it. And it was actually, this was my neon sign today. Um, She was talking about how, when you perceive information, even while you're telling yourself, just because I perceive it this way, doesn't mean that it's accurate. Cause that's what I feel like I do now. I, I perceive it and I, and you know, I ingest it and I tell myself that may not be accurate, but that's still what I'm hearing. She calls it our story. And so how she frames that when she's trying to communicate with other people is this is what I'm hearing. This is my story now. And then she puts it back. Now, what were, what's your story? And that kind of takes away like some of the maybe antagonism that there could be if, if they're misreading a situation. And like I said, I didn't, when I heard her last year, I'm like, oh, that's an interesting way, but I wasn't really getting it until just now. And now I understand because what Bree said about needing to be okay with what you're feeling, that becomes our story. Boom. Yeah. I mean, uh, when, when I was reading the four agreements, that was like kind of one of the big things that stood out to me is, is that um, a lot of these times, these, these agreements that we have or these thought processes that we think about other people or about ourselves are to protect us and to um, make our feelings less hurt, right? Nobody yeah. wants to have hurt feelings and nobody wants to be um, upset. The, the whole idea of the, this, is what, this is what we do. Like we try to keep ourselves in comfort. And then what I think is interesting is this fifth step is not comfortable, which is why everybody hates doing it. Mm-hmm. But when you're done with it, it is so much friggin' freedom. And I always think about the, and I'm sure I heard this early in recovery, but this lady described it as her big bag of garbage, her big black bag, you know, one of those heavy duty, indestructible garbage bags. Of hefty, garbage. hefty, hefty, hefty. Cinch slackers, I don't know. Um, but you know, and then you get to let that go. You get to throw it in the dumpster and they take it away and off. And then you get to create more garbage, but at least mm-hmm. you're not collecting it as much as that you had before. You Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. When I, when, go ahead, Brie. I was going to say my favorite analogy was very similar to that, except it was about a drain and how your drains get clogged over time until all of a sudden you can like smell the drain from like 10 feet away. Like before you've walked into your kitchen or before you've walked into your bathroom, it's like you can actually smell that your drain is clogged. And that's kind of like how we are to other people sometimes. Like we let all that shit build up and we're like, we're like not fun people to be around because we are, can't be honest, and we are mad at the world, mad at ourselves. And I, I just think, yeah, like the, uh, the fifth step is like Drano for your soul, you know, like it just keeps, it gets everything unstuck so it can keep moving. And it doesn't mean that the pipes are perfectly clean, but you chipped away a little bit and it's not as awful. And you have like a base now to start, like to start again, you know, and you just feel Part of me was like when I did the fifth step, which was, you know, you know, my moral inventory, I was kind of felt relieved to be able to tell, you know, 
all the crazy stuff that was going on to have someone else be like, well, yep, you did those things and you know, mm-hmm. now they're over with and now you can practice the opposite if you want. You know, you yeah. don't have to be that same person. Like when I finished, I totally had like the big it was like an endorphin thing. I mean, I was jazzed. I was very excited and happy and and so glad to be able to let that go. You know, I to drop the big hefty bag and say, see you later. You've held on to me long enough. I'm done. It was, yeah, it was very liberating. And, you know, how we practice our sobriety, our emotional sobriety now is by doing these daily mini spot checks, we call them a lot of times, or our daily reflections, daily inventory. And then we, we don't have to fill up a big black hefty bag anymore. Yep. Yep. Promptly admitted it. Kind of what we were talking about last week. Exactly. Yeah. Funny how it all ties together, isn't it? Yeah, these steps were done very well, weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I have something to say really quick about integrity. And I, Vicki, you have the sign in your bathroom too, which is the definition that I knew of integrity, which is like, you know, doing the right thing, even when no one's watching. Mm-hmm. And I just think back to all of the things. I mean, before I even drank, I, I always had all these secrets with myself. I, you know, like, cause I would, you know, cheat on a test or, um, I remember we had field day for our school in elementary school. And I, you know, lied about how many like jump ropes I did, you know, like how many times you jumped rope in a minute. And so even then I was like, it was like having the secret with myself and it, it made me proud to like win. Like I was like, okay, yeah, like I won. And then that part was great. But then it was like, now looking back, I don't feel proud. Like I, you don't get to have that sense of accomplishment. You know, I just, I think um, those secrets with yourself, and I don't know why, I don't know why I would always go back to that besides the fact that, yeah, I'm an alcoholic and that's part of the disease is, you Mm -hmm. know, feeling inferior to everyone else. So needing to lie and cheat and steal to get ahead so that you don't feel inferior anymore. But then you do because you secretly know that you really didn't deserve it. So... Big, big slippery slope there. Um, And it's funny how integrity um keeps becoming a bigger deal to me and it's I was actually that my first thought wrong that I thought about doing I was telling um, one of my friends the other evening so working in a kitchen we go through a bazillion of those um vinyl gloves right we use them all the time and I usually try to have some at home too because they're just handy when you're doing gross stuff like breaking down a chicken so I was leaving work and I grabbed a handful of them to bring home and I stopped myself I'm like I didn't buy these and that was the first time in a 20-year 20 20 year career that I stopped myself and said, well, that's not right. I didn't buy those. And I'm like, dang, integrity, there you are. <laughs> I, I can think of a good amends for that. <laughs> what? You start bringing your own gloves to work. <sighs> <laughs> to pay back. You're right. You're right. Dang it, Vicki, you're always right. I'm <laughs> not always right. <laughs> Believe me, I'm not always right. But I think that that, you know, makes sense. And okay. it's, it's kind of, it's funny because my, because um, you can't go back to all those employers. I mean, I guess you could, but um, but the interesting thing is, and I'm sure Donna will have a better way of describing it, you know, more wisdom, but I just thought of it on the spot. But my, my friend, um, my old sponsor used to steal from stores. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she used to, so her, and one of the stores that she sold from a lot was the Dollar Tree. 
So her sponsor made her do any of her shopping that she could get had to be done at the dollar. Oh yeah. You know? to give her money back to the company. That's, that's really smart. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, thank God she wasn't stealing from like Neiman Marcus. You I know, know right? <laughs> I gotta go to Nordstrom again. Yeah, I gotta pay seventy dollars for this tank top, you know, because I stole one, you know, years. Like they got it was the Dollar Tree. And, and here's the funny thing too is you know everything's just a dollar anyway, so why you gotta be stealing it? But that's like that's the thing. Yeah. It's almost like we want to have these secrets with ourselves, or we feel like entitled to shit that's not ours. You know, that's not. Well, we feel sneaky. Like I used to kind of get a rush. I didn't steal. Stealing wasn't my thing, and lying really, like lying blatantly, like you did, Bree, wasn't my thing. I would lie manipulatively. Like I would lie so that I could. There was a there was a method to my lying. Mm-hmm. I but I was usually very much of a rule follower. So it was, it was very interesting, like liar choices, but, um, so, so it just makes me think of like how you would, when you would get one over on somebody, you know, I would love it. Like when I convince people, when I would convince people, that was where I would be like, Ooh, I, st- I stole their, I manipulated them. I'm so much smarter than them because I didn't feel smart. You know, it's like, it's always where we feel weak. Where we, yeah, hi Frodo, where we feel weak <laughs> is where we like kind of, in my disease, I use that. Oh my God, this is hilarious. <laughs> it's okay. It's funny, Vicki, I, I did the same thing too. And I, I always perceived why I lied as kind of control because there were so many things in my life that I couldn't control. So if I could control the truth or how people saw me, then I was taking, you know, I was taking over that situation and making it mine. And I would embellish things that weren't even necessary. That was the yes. stupid thing about all the time. Yeah, totally. Mm. Um, like what I had for lunch or if I even had lunch or, you know. Yeah. So weird. The other thing that it makes me think of is I did this reading in that book yesterday that I'm doing on the Book of Awakenings. Um, and it was really interesting. There was a line in it that said something and it's about speaking our truth. So this is kind of going to take us off in a different direction of honesty and truth and integrity. But what it says is, let me find it. Um, What this means in a daily way is that I have to be conscientious about being truthful and resist the urge to accommodate my truth away accommodating my truth away so like basically he's talking about in this reading how we are either we have invisible friction so we have inner friction within ourselves because we're not doing what we really want to do or we're doing something for somebody else and then or we could have outer friction where when we do say our truth then we have friction with others right um But man, that one hit me square in the eyes about not being truthful about what was important to me and how many Mm -hmm. times that I've I've accommodated my truth away and how I don't want to do that anymore and how recovery has given me the legs to do that, has given me the ability to learn how to do that in a better way. That gave me goosebumps, Vicki. And while you were reading that, I was writing down something that you had just said about embellish my truth to seem better to other people. And that's exactly what I did. I would accommodate so that the outward uh, perception 
was what I thought people wanted to see, which has never been the thing anyway. I mean, if I've always just tried to be my authentic self, that's how you find your people. You learn how to navigate the situations which are not probably the easiest. But if you always stay authentic, then you're on the right path. <laughs> and I just didn't get that at all because I had no self-worth. Well, also, we're, le- we're taught to be good little humans, right? We're taught... Uh, don't ruffle anybody's feathers. Don't talk back to people. Be kind. You know, like we're taught to do that also. And it comes, there, there like comes this point and I'm watching it as I have teenagers because developmentally they push the limits, right? Like that's what we do as, as humans, we're trying to define ourselves. And, and it's like what, what I used to think was true. And now what I know is true are so different and maybe now I don't even know the right truth too. Maybe in 20 years, I'm going to find out something mm-hmm. else. But the bottom line is, is we're all just trying to be who we are and not accommodate our truth away. And it's, I think the tricky part for me is that being, doing it with love and kindness to myself and to others. And that's my mantra. It's like, how can I be <laughs> kind to myself and others and still honor my truth and honor their truth? That's the tricky part. That is tricky. And Vicki, I feel like you put words to something I've been feeling for like maybe the last month or something. It's become very like, I've been more aware of the fact that it's like, okay, if I don't want to do something, how do I communicate that so that I'm like not hurting people's feelings? Um, And also so that I don't get like passive aggressive or like defensive about it because sometimes that will happen where I do something once because I think it's what's expected of me and that's what the other person wants. So I basically accommodate away my truth and then they ask me to do it again and I kind of do it again, but then I'm resentful about it and then they ask again and now they've gotten into this pattern of expecting me to do this, but I really don't like doing this thing. How? Then I feel like I've waited too long and all of a sudden I like, oh my gosh, I'm defensive and like I then I communicate my truth, but it's not, it doesn't come from a kind and loving place. It's like, like, I, like they were supposed to have been reading my mind. Like, didn't you realize I didn't want to do it the first two times? How you asked me a third time, you know? Well, they probably didn't. Like, yeah. Well, right. But that's all it goes back to like we, when you're not authentic, you know, like that's another part of honesty and integrity. And that's the tricky part is learning how to communicate it with kindness because I never did that before. And that's a totally new behavior for me. The whole time you were talking, Brie, I'm like nodding my head maniacally because I'm like, yeah, because I was such a pleaser because that's Vicky when I was a kid. That's what, how I was programmed was to be a pleaser. Mm-hmm. And I please because I think I'm supposed to, but I'm really pissed off about it. And I'm very resentful about it. And it just every time it happens again, you're like, God damn it. Why are you not reading my mind or my body language or my face? Can you not tell I don't want to do this? Yeah. Well, and then you shut down and go into isolation because then you're like, okay, I'm not going to poke my head out for you to, you know, you know, vol- volunteer me for something or whatever it is, you know, like, you're like, I'm just going to go sit in this corner. Like, don't, you're not going to see me. <laughs> so That's, true. And I have to give the caveat that these are not my words. This is Mark Nepo and it's from the book of awakening. And I mean, that one was yesterday's reading and it was from January 17th. And this book, I'm doing it for my mindful minutes and I've been doing it every day. And there are so many of those ways that he, he uses analogies so well, they totally speak to me. But I mean, that is exactly what, what, what I've done my whole life and what I've been trying to break. And I think I'm getting a lot better at it, but 
I think it's because what he says here is um, I'm going to read a little bit more of what he said. I'm going to go ahead. So it's a, or or backtrack as for me, it's taking me 30 of my 49 years to realize that not being who I am is more deadly. And it has taken the last 19 years to try to make a practice of this. What this means in a daily way is that I have to be conscientious about being truthful and resist the urge to accommodate my truth away. It means that being who I really am is not forbidden or muted just because others are uncomfortable or don't want to hear it. And it is like that. I mean, that whole paragraph is just, it's, it's, it's hard to live that, but it's also when you do so refreshing and, what I remember, and I don't know where I heard it, but it's kind of like, and maybe it was the four agreements where it says people can always tell when you're not being truthful. They don't know what it is, but there's always this like, mm, I don't buy it kind of thing. And when we are doing that, and, and maybe not, maybe people that aren't, that's a bad example because those people that should, you think should know, right, Bree, when you're mm-hmm. like saying, okay, I did this for you, but come on. Um, so maybe there, I guess what it boils down to is what's so cool about the program to me is that I get to be around people that are noticing these things and that are trying to live it in their life. And I'm safe with them to learn how to do this. So then I can bring this to the rest of my life. And that's, what's so cool about the program for me. That's amazing. Vicki, thank you. Um, there's so much in there that you were just discussing that I, mm-hmm. again, nodding my head and reevaluating how I am still treating myself, treating others, all of that. You know, it's, it's, and maybe that's, that's part of that beauty of that spot check daily reflection, daily inventory that I can reevaluate every day. Did, was I authentic? Was I truthful with myself? Was I kind to other people? Um, yeah. Wow. It's what. It's hard. It's work. Yeah. Well, and when you were talking, when you were reading about, or maybe you, maybe it was, I don't know if you were reading it or if it was something you said about your authenticity, making other people uncomfortable. And I was just, I always have such admiration. You can tell when you meet someone who is just so authentic because like they don't care what you think of them and not in a like, Oh, I don't care what you think of me way. It's just like, they are so comfortable with who they are that there's almost like you're more like attracted to them because there's like a, but I think you're only attracted to those kind of people. If you are on the journey yourself of wanting and desiring to be a more authentic person, because I can tell you, I know some people who are always so concerned with like, outward appearances and making sure that other people think the right things of them, that truly authentic people, when they come into contact with truly authentic people, it actually makes them really uncomfortable and they get very judgy. And they're like, oh, I can't believe that person's doing that or saying that or acting that way because they can't be themselves. They have not learned how to express themselves and be comfortable with that. So anyone else who does it, like really like makes them feel like uneasy. Uncomfortable. Yeah, because I seek that type of like true authenticity to be able to be that person. So when I meet people like that, it doesn't turn me off at all. I'm like, you go, you be your weird self. You let your freak flag fly. Like I am feeling it. 
but other people who are very more like reserved or maybe conservative who have been raised to like, you know, don't let anyone see their, how you're really feeling. Don't show your true self. Always be wearing a mask. Don't, like they get really uncomfortable around authentic, like authentic or authentic people. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Why do you think we three were so attracted to each other? Because we get to be weird together. <laughs> we get and to we get like to, it. We get to wave our freak flag at each other. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I just literally envisioned us like each being those like car dealership, like the guys that are like <laughs> Oh yeah, the wavy guy. <laughs> like, yeah, we're just out there freak flag like fly. <laughs> I love it. This is this topic um has been really good uh, fodder for me to chew on and think about. And definitely one of those that I'm going to process this for a couple of days. I did write down quite a few notes and I didn't do a lot of prep because I didn't want to do a lot of prep going into this. I really wanted to see where, what road we went down and I've just got so much to think about. And it all kind of boils back to how do I perceive the world and how can I make that better and more true and do it with integrity. Yeah. And Brene Brown's thing. I love it. Like saying what my story is and asking what your story is and understanding like that, not making assumptions, all this stuff is so like integrated with, with growth. And I'm just so happy for it. And when you were talking Brie about people being uneasy about authentic, all I could think of is how I used to be so uneasy around people that didn't drink like I did. Like I didn't want to be around people like that. And Mm -hmm. so it's kind of, I mean, I guess Donna always says it or, you know, like water meets its own level or something like that. Um, And, you know, I'm just, I'm grateful where I'm at and I'm grateful I've found people that I can believe and trust. And I hope I can continue to do that. Here, here. Here, here. Um, I have some golden nuggets if we're ready for them. Ready. I've got some too. Let's go. I feel like we could go on talking forever and ever, but um, this was a good, good place for me. Um, at the very beginning, Bree, you talked about a spiritual lesson, and that really clicked with me um, when you're thinking about your integrity and um, your your truth and authentic, uh, authentic, authentic, <laughs> authentic self. I'm not authentic self, and then uh, release from sickness and toxic thinking. That was good. And then embellish my truth to seem better to other people. Good ones. Um, mine, well, oh, there were so many good ones today. You, like, you ladies literally gave me so much. First of all, I just love the cookie thief reading because I have felt that way so many times where I was blaming someone else and it came to be like, it was really something that I had done or it wasn't, it wasn't the truth. Like someone really didn't steal my lunch out of the fridge. I put it, you know, in the drawer below. And it's been there like three days later, someone's saying my lunch smells, but I thought someone else took my lunch, you know, stuff like that. I just seriously like that resonated with me so much. Um, but also, um, accommodating the truth away. What's a interesting perspective and way to put that. And I do feel like I've done that and I need to, you know, that's something I want to practice is being able to, um, to say my truth and say it with love and kindness, Vicky, like you said, and I, that's, you put it in such an eloquent way that you put words to something I've been feeling in the last few weeks. So those were my two goodies. Oh, and the Brene Brown. I, that's the first time I've heard that asking, Mm -hmm. this is my story. This is how I'm perceiving and understanding it. I'm sure you have a different story. You know, how are you, you know, what's your story, but what, what do you think? Yeah. 
So. That is that is my golden nugget is the Brene Brown thing because I am um, I I'm sure I've heard it before but I just I think it's it's on my radar right now about communication so it's a it's a really good tool and I got to figure out how to use it in um, teenager ease um, <laughs> because you know I don't think I'm communicating very well with that and I want to work on that and it's hard you know I try to honor their listening to them and their thoughts. So I'm going to work on that with that. And then the other thing that I like is, I think Brie, you said it, when you perceive an information, it may not be accurate. Like just about how to always keep questioning my motives and is this true, I guess, is, is, is my golden nugget. So it's just... You know, it's like a daily practice and it's never going to be perfect for me. And I just know that I'm trying to improve upon that. And every day I am trying to live in truth and integrity. And I don't always do it, but I'm always trying. Every day. And I guess I'm going to go buy a case of gloves. <laughs> go to the dollar store. <laughs> <laughs> Not those Neiman Marcus gloves. Thank no. God. <laughs> Well, have a wonderful day, you guys, and have a wonderful day, everybody. Rate, review, subscribe, all those things. Yes, thank you, thank you. I'll put the Cookie Thief poem in the show notes, and I'll also put in that Mark Nepo book, so you guys can check it out if you want to. Thanks, Vicki. All right, tribe out. Tribe out. Tribe out. Thank you so much for listening to Telling on Ourselves. You can please rate, review, subscribe at Apple Podcasts or any of your podcast platforms. And don't forget to look for us on Facebook or Instagram at Telling on Ourselves.